Welcome to the Faith Christian Fellowship of Montego Bay's podcast. We are reaching for His glory through building and teaching. I hope you are encouraged and edified by this message. I'm going to share with you six characteristics of God that separates Jehovah God from any other God. These characteristics will reinforce in your spirit why none else can be God Almighty. That there is only one God, there is none beside him because he is the only one that carries those uh, or these characteristics. And let us start out um, with um, the fact that number one is that God is eternal. It might sound simple, but we're going to go into that in a little bit more detail and show you what we mean. God is eternal. Interestingly, for the most part, when people think about eternal, they think about having no end. End. And that really is one aspect of being eternal. Because the word eternal in its truest meaning goes further than that. That is one aspect of the word eternal, having no ending. But as I said, it goes much further than that. Because it also means having no beginning. So the word eternal really in its truest meaning uh, speaks to not having any beginning or ending. Now, immediately you can see why God is the only one that has this characteristic. Because while you could reasonably say that we have no ending, because even when we transition to the next life, our spirit lives on and it's either going to spend the rest of eternity in heaven or in hell, nobody would dare say that we have no beginning. But God... Jehovah God that we are talking about tonight has no beginning. He has no beginning or ending. Eternal signifies having no beginning or ending. And the only being that is eternal is God himself, Jehovah God, Elohim. He has no beginning or ending. In other words, Words, he has always been and will always be. There was never a time when God was not. It's always existed. So somebody might say, well, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, how, how did he originate? Well, that's exactly what we're saying, that he has no beginning. He has always existed and will always exist. And sometimes there are aspects of the Bible, aspects of God that, to be honest, you have to believe with your spirit until God gives you further understanding 
and revelation. There's some things that you just have to believe it by faith in your spirit until your conscious mind can um, understand greater dimensions of it. Because sometimes where we are with God, it is difficult for us to understand certain dimensions of God. But as I said before, God has always been and will always be. Now, Moses, the man Moses, the Bible says that no man knew God face to face like Moses. God and Moses had tight relationship and they communed commune on levels that uh, even in the New Testament, we don't even commune with God. They had a very good relationship and I would dare say they were friends. There were times when God told Moses, hey, I'm going to do this. And Moses said, no, you can't do that. Moses reasoned with God and talked with God in ways that we're even scared to talk to God today. So, it stands to reason that Moses understand aspects of God or understood aspects of God much better than we would understand. He saw dimensions of God that some of us probably would never even see in our lifetime. And I want to bring your attention to something that Moses said about God, the man who should know God. I'm not saying we don't know God, but I mean the man who knew God face to face in a real way. I want to show you in Psalm 90 what Moses said about God. We're going to read Psalm 90 verses 1 and 2. It says, Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Look at verse 2. Very, very powerful verse. Verse 2 says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world. Look at this last part. Even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Amen. Now, did you see that? From everlasting to everlasting. Remember, as I said, most of us think of eternity as to everlasting. But here Moses is bringing the next dimension into focus. He said, Hey, you're not just God to everlasting, but he said, from everlasting. Wow. How far is that? If to everlasting have no end, then from everlasting has no beginning. So that's what God said about Moses. Sorry, Moses said about God. That from everlasting to everlasting, you our God. Wow, that's the God that we serve. And this is why I'm saying to you, no other God can claim such attribute. 
such characteristic. Our God exists from eternity to eternity. Any other person that is worshipped as God, whether it be Buddha, Muhammad, Selassie, Joseph Simit, Allah, Confucius, any one of them, if you check the internet at the end of this meeting, you will find when they came into existence. You'll find when they were born. But the God that we're talking about tonight has no beginning. He has no ending. He has always existed and will always exist. I want to read about at least two more scriptures uh, to support that point and then we'll go on to the other one. So let's look at Exodus, Exodus 3 verse 14. Exodus chapter 3 verse 14. All right, so it says, uh, verse 14. Um, yes, thank you very much. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shall thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent you, uh, sent me unto you. So God revealed himself to Moses as I am. In other words, what we're saying here is that God has always existed. In other words, he's always in the present. So once there is a presence, God is I am. So one time he shocked some people when he told them, he said, and the, 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 the Pharisees and them took up stones because they couldn't understand what he was saying. He said, before Abraham, I was. That's what Jesus said. Because he was speaking at that moment to his eternity. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. All right? Verse 1, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So, if God created the beginning, then he must have been around before the beginning. In the beginning of creation, existence of man and all that we know as the earth today, God created that beginning.
he never came into existence at the beginning. He created the beginning. Before creation, and then time came after creation, entered uh, the picture. There was eternity. And the manifestations of creation came out of eternity because God pre-existed the creation of the world. So that's one of the, um, the characteristics that just make our God even more awesome. And when we understand it, then we have no real option but to worship it. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. He is the only eternal God. And that's why when uh, Paul wrote to Timothy about God, Paul said, unto the king eternal. He knew exactly what he was saying. The word eternal there speaks to no beginning, no ending. Unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible. The only wise God we're talking about. We give honor to him. So first characteristic that separates our God from any other is that God is eternal. It is because God is eternal why he was able to put aspects of eternity in us. That's why when he breathed into man, his spirit, that was uh, a, a, an aspect of eternity that he put in man. And that is why we can tell you again that death is not the end of life. It's just a transition back into eternity. That is why time, again, was never God's original plan. Because time has limits. God created us to live in eternity. Amen. All right. Number two. Is that God is self-existent. All right. God is self-existent. He exists in and from himself. He is the reason for his own existence. God does not depend on any one of us for his existence. He does not owe his existence to any other, nor does he depend on any other to sustain his existence. He is self-existent and the only self-existent existent being. So God is the source of all life. And his life is underived and inexhaustible. Underived in the sense that he don't come from anywhere. He's the source of his own life and cannot be exhausted. Can you understand now why Paul would say something like he's able to bless and to do exceeding abundantly 
above all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is working in us. Why is God able to do that? Because he is inexhaustible. He cannot be exhausted. I was thinking about Matthew 11 the other day where Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I mean, he's talking to all seven and a half billion of us on earth today. Say, all of you, come unto me. Now, that's a bold statement. It's one thing if you go around your neighborhood with a loudspeaker and say, all who don't have dinner, come to my house this evening. And you're there praying and hoping that only one or two people don't have dinner. But it's a, a different story if, I mean, the numbers start going from 20 to 30 and 40. You're saying, wow, you, you're praying for a miracle here. But God is not like us. God said, come unto me all he who labor and are heavy laden. All of you come at the same time. And I will give you rest because he's inexhaustible. Because of the quality of God, uh, God's being is absolutely independent of all outside of himself. So, of course, God desires our praise. And our praise sends sweet aroma to his nostrils. But if you choose not to praise him, if all of us choose not to praise him, God can still exist. He is self-existent. This is inapplicable to man. For uh, man is dependent on God for his origin, life, and continued existence. So we can be rebellious and do what we want to do and God still exists. You know he has the capabilities of even raising up the stick and the sticks and the stones to praise him. But follow me. You can withhold your praise and God still exists. But if God was to pull his oxygen for five minutes... All seven and a half billion of us would be in trouble. We couldn't exist. So we are not self-existent. I, I know we love to think we're independent sometimes, quote-unquote independent. But when you really think about it, you're dependent on God, even if you don't want to acknowledge it. But when we talk about self-existent, God is the only one that is self-existent. No Buddha, no Allah, no Selassie, no Muhammad. They're not self-existent, but we serve a self, a God that is uh, 
self-existent. And let me read uh, two scriptures on that. First of all, we're going to read St. John chapter 1. St. John chapter 1, and we're going to read from um, verse 1 down to verse 4. So get the context there. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without without him was not anything made that was made. So look at verse 4. It says, In him was life. In him who? In him. God was life. So life, life is not possible outside of God. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. In other words, his life was the pathway to man. In him was life. It, it don't, life don't come from any other source but God. So it is important that we understand that um, while we run our own business and all that kind of stuff, we're still not self-existent. We depend on Jehovah God for our existence. Psalm 127, uh, verse 1, is another interesting uh, scripture that we will uh, look at in the context of, of God being self-existent and uh, mirror that on our lives to show that we are nowhere near self-existent. We're not self-existent, but God is. So, uh, uh, Psalm 127, uh, verse 1. And it says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. What house we're talking about? Well, whatever you're trying to establish. Sometimes people don't recognize the hand of God in something because an angel did not appear and say, well, you know, I am doing this and that. But any system that you use to guide your business came from God because you never originate anything. We love to talk about how we discover things, but uh, the Bible says there's nothing new on the sun. So any system, any principle that you use to guide your success came from God. In him was life. Even the kingdom of darkness, the, 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 the very principles that they use have their foundation in God. It's just that they try to pervert and turn around some things and whatever but the bible says except the lord build the house they labor in vain that build it and except the lord keep the city 
oh, the watchman is working in vain. So if you have a business place and you have security forces, security guards there, um, security system there, or even at your house, you still need to pray. <laughs> because except the Lord keep the city, the watchman works in vain. God is the only one that is self-existent. There is absolutely nothing that any man or any force anywhere at any time can do to stop the existence of God. Because he's self-existent. You know, you can maybe tell your children or other folks that depend on you, I'm not paying you for you to go ah, to Florida or wherever and all that kind of stuff because they depend on you for certain things. God does not depend on anyone for his existence. So number one, God is eternal. And number two, we're seeing that God is self-existent talking about the characteristics of God, and we have six of them. Number three, God is immutable. When we speak of God's immutability, we mean that God is unchanged and unchangeable as to his character and being. Right? He is unchanged and unchangeable as it relates to his character and being. And being. God don't shift the standards. Did you know that when the Mormon church started, they claim that they had a revelation that uh, black people couldn't be a part of the Mormon church. In fact, the teaching of the Mormons is that Jesus and Satan are brothers and that Jesus is the father of the white people and Satan is the father of the black people. So therefore, they could not allow black people in the Mormon church. You could read it. I have a Mormon Bible that I read sometimes. In fact, I can tell you that the Mormons don't stop at my house. Even though I ask them to, they always promise that they will come back, but they don't, they don't come because I love to discuss these things with them. <laughs> but after a while, they got some revelation according to them that black people could now be a part of the Mormon church, but they couldn't be a part of leadership. And my point is they keep shifting the goalposts as goalposts as, as it relates to that. And I'm saying to you, God is not like that. From day one, he said, Love your enemies. He said, 
do good to them that despise fully use you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you. He does not change. The laws of God's being are eternal and unchanging. And in his attributes, God is unchangeable. So, in all the perfections of his character, God can never change. So, for example, the Bible says, God cannot. Notice it didn't say God does not lie. It said God cannot lie because it can't change. That's, that's who God is. So, he cannot lie. That is a difference from he does not lie. It says he cannot lie. This is immutability. He does not change. He, he cannot change. He's God. So you can always count on God. If That's why if he gives you his word, you can build your life on it because he does not change. So Let's look at the scripture in uh, James chapter 1, verse 17. James chapter 1, uh, verse 17. It says, every good gift. And every perfect gift is from above and come down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. There is no shadow of turning with God, according to James 1.17. He does not change. Let's read another one, real quickly. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Thank you. Uh, giving the host a, a little bit of work today, so thank you for responding so efficiently. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same, the what? The same. Notice that the same, the same. He doesn't change. Jesus Christ, the same, the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, you can say from eternity to eternity. Yesterday don't literally mean Wednesday. But time passed. It says Jesus Christ, the same, the same. In times past, in present days, and in the days to come, he never changes. Two immutable things are God and his word. And if we could get a, a, a few more believers, some more believers, to, to uh, get that aspect of God in them. 
there's some believers that are so um, operating so much trickery. They change. But we have to be like our God. Now, I want to point out something here. Because, yes, God does not change. But at the same time, we have the opportunity to petition God about certain things. So, so because God put man in charge of uh, earth, and man was and is supposed to rule the earth according to the authority of God in conjunction with God, a man that is in right standing with God can petition God on behalf of her. It's not that God is changing, but you can petition God on behalf of earth. So for example, God said, let me talk to Abraham about what I'm going to, what I'm planning to do down in Sodom and Gomorrah. And when Abraham heard, Abraham said, God, hold, hold on, let, let, let me talk to you. And Abraham started petitioning God. If you find 50 righteous, would you still destroy the city? In other words, it, it, this is it. Abraham was saying, you put me on earth to act on your behalf. So I have the right to come to you on behalf of earth. This is how powerful we are as uh, kingdom citizens, you know. This is why prayer is so important. You can petition God on behalf of earth. And Abraham petitioned God on behalf of earth because one, he was in right standing with God. If you're in right standing with God, you can petition God on behalf of things in your life, your body, and all that kind of stuff. Because he will hear your prayer and he will intervene on your behalf because you are an ambassador of the Lord. So that is why we say that um, that, that two immutable things are God himself in terms of his character and his nature. He can't change and his word. That's why he said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass. In other words, God's word is his integrity. You know, that's, what, that's one of the reasons why Saul got in trouble. Because if you read earlier up in the Bible when the Israelites were doing their passage on their way to go to Canaan, the Am Amalekites were the group that, one, one of the groups that opposed them and would not uh, give Israel passage, were not favorable to Israel. And God promised that he would wipe out the Amalekites. So when he told Saul 
to go down to Amalek and to uh, slew all the Amalekites. It was God's integrity on the line because he had already promised that he was going to wipe out the Amalekites. So when Saul disobeyed, Saul was putting God's integrity on the line. And if any man is going to stand in the way of God's integrity, then God's going to move him out of the way. God's word will not change. So God is immutable. I think we're up to number four. Characteristics of God. God is omniscient. Omniscience means that God is all-knowing. And by that we mean that he knows all things at all times. God is not coming into any new knowledge. God is not coming into knowledge of anything at all. He knows all things at all times. He is omniscient. So there is nothing that he does not know or has not known from eternity. As I said, he's not coming into any new knowledge. There is absolutely nothing that he does not know or has not known from eternity. God's knowledge is absolute and and uh, unacquired. In other words, he didn't go anywhere to get that. And he didn't go to any university to get that. That speaks to who God is. That is why when Solomon asked him for a little bit of what he had, Solomon started to soar above everybody else. And, and one of these days when we get to teaching on things like the gifts of the Spirit, that is why when we talk about, when Paul wrote about the gifts of the Spirit, like in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he called them something like the word of knowledge. It's not the gift of knowledge, the word of knowledge. It's a fragmentary part of God's knowledge. A word of knowledge is just a fragmentary part of God's knowledge. But a fragmentary part of God's knowledge to you will make you look like a genius. But it's funny that sometimes uh, we in our mortal state tried to hide things from God. <laughs> so the best thing to do if you have messed up, which we all have um, at some point in time, is to come to God and ask him to forgive you because you can't hide from God. He knows everything. He's omniscient. Omniscient also involves perfect knowledge, perfect understanding, and perfect wisdom. So no, no one else is omniscient. None other 
that is worshipped as God can claim the attribute of being omniscient. It is because of God's omniscience why he is qualified to be the judge of all men. Because he knows everything about us. You see, you, you, you can't really properly judge me because you don't know everything about me. I can't judge you either. Hence, the Bible says, judge not, that he be not judged. Because if we judge, we judge on limited knowledge. But because God is omniscient, he's qualified to be the judge of us all. There's a scripture in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3, that we're going to look at real quickly here. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. And... Um, in the meantime, okay. I'll just tell you that no man can hide himself in secret from God because God knows all things. Proverbs 15 verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. How much of the place? Every place. Every place. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Beholding the evil and the good. Wow. So from east to west, north to south, the eyes of the Lord are in every place. He is omniscient. He sees it all. He knows it all. All things are open and naked to his eyes. If you walk with the Lord close enough, if you spend time with God, you will begin to learn this aspect of God, not in terms of just the, um, the, the, the knowledge of it, of hearing it and it registering in your mind, but also in terms of experiencing it. Because as you walk with the Lord, God will show you things to come, things that you never knew. God will show you and prepare you for it. That is why we have the ability to stand out. Because, hey, anywhere you work, if you stay in prayer, God will give you uh, things in your spirit about that place that you can pray for that company long ahead of time and help resolve some things. He will show you things to come, the Bible says. That's, what the, that's one of the functions of the Holy Spirit in your life. He will show you things to come. Why? Because he's omniscient. He knows what is going to happen 10 years from now in details. So God, our King, is omniscient. And number five is that God is omnipresent all right so omnipresent mean that god is all present he's present everywhere at the same time so you see the others that are worshipers god and even the devil they have to journey from place to place 
to put in their appearance. But God is everywhere present at the same time, in the same measure. I mean, God could be in our conference in Jamaica ministering, blessing his people, and he's also in Afghanistan at the same time. He's also in the United States at the same time. He's also in Canada at the same time. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere present at the same time. We struggle to um, keep adequate presence at two locations sometimes. And we jump in our cars or our aircrafts and run from here to there and whatever, and we work out ourselves. But God is everywhere present. So if you are working way up in the, in the hills and somebody else is on an aircraft flying to Asia, God is present both locations. He's omnipresent. He is unlimited by space and time. He is everywhere present at all times. He's present universally and simultaneously. So he's in all the world at the same time. What an awesome God is we serve. And that is why we can say God is not far from you. In fact, you know what the word of what, what, what it says? Paul said one time, in him we live. All of us don't care where you are, in him we live and move and have our beings. Man cannot flee from his presence. Let's read Matthew 18, 20. Let's read the scripture there and then push on. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. That's St. Matthew. And then we are coming up to number... Six after this it says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am, or there am I in the midst of them. And of course, you know, many people add a little part of that to say to bless and to do good. Did you notice it's not there? <laughs> it's um. Uh, a quote that has been added to that verse. But God said, where two or three are gathered, there I am in their midst. So, so if two or three of us are gathered right here in Jamaica and two, three gathered in the United States and two or three are gathered in uh, Nairobi, and two or three gathered in Cuba, wherever, if we spread out all corners of the earth, two gathered in any corner of the earth, and however many two want to gather in Jamaica, he said, I am in the midst. It speaks to his omniscience. That he's everywhere present at the same time. Number six is that God is 
omnipotent. Omnipotent means that God is all powerful. He's all powerful. So nothing is impossible with God. That is nothing that would be consistent with his holy nature and character and being. Nothing is impossible with God. I think it was sometime last week, I was reading again uh, the story with Benson Idaosa um, from Africa, late Benson Idaosa. And Benson went to a church and he heard them, the pastor teaching that nothing is impossible with God. So after the service, he asked for a minute with the pastor. It's a church that he was attending. And he said, that means it is not impossible to really raise the dead. The pastor said, no. Although I've never seen that in my ministry. And Benson also said, well, I believe it's possible. And he left uh, searching the neighborhoods that Sunday afternoon looking for a dead to raise. Finally, when it is, was getting towards dust, um, Idiosa I uh, found a, a gathering and there was a young girl dead. And man, he was happy, happy for the opportunity just to prove that with God, nothing shall be impossible. Benson prayed for that girl. Uh, God brought her back to life. And um, I forgot how many people were raised from the dead through his ministry. Because here's a man that dared to believe that God is omnipotent, that he's all-powerful, and that with God, nothing shall be impossible. So omnipotent also involves sovereignty. God also has the absolute right to govern and dispose of his creatures as he pleases. His sovereign is omnipotent. Sovereign means he's supreme ruler. He's all-powerful. And this is why, you know, as interesting, uh, that because he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, this is why he is the only one that can summon the whole world to judgment and will summon the whole world to judgment one day and ain't nobody can say they're not coming. He's, do you know that there will be a day when he's going to summon Buddha to judgment? He's going to summon Selassie to judgment. He's going to summon Allah to judgment. And they cannot say they're not coming 
because the supreme ruler, the omnipotent power, the one who we sing about, he has the whole world in his hands. Yeah, he's going to summon every one of us to judgment one day because he's all powerful. Ain't nobody else can do that. In fact, I can tell you right now that if Buddha was to come up from the dead and call for everybody, I'm not going. He has no rule over me. But ain't nobody can tell God I'm not coming. I was thinking today about that story in Egypt when God's judgment was upon Egypt. And the people woke up and there was one dead in every house, man and cattle, including Pharaoh's house. And people told Pharaoh, said, listen, let the people go because you don't realize that if you don't, we're all going to be dead people here. God just flexed his muscles a little bit. And they said, Pharaoh, please don't even negotiate. Please let them go. And in fact, if you want anything for your journey, please take it. God just flexed his muscles. He is omnipotent power. So in um, Revelation 19, verse 6, uh, in fact, let's read that verse there. Revelation 19, verse 6. Remember now we talk here about the, the nature and character of God. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. <laughs> John saw it and spoke to the omnipotence of God, the Lord God omnipotent reigning. God revealed himself to Abraham in Genesis 17 as God Almighty. Mark 9.23 With God nothing shall be impossible. We thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you and ensure you have a great day.